Hello, Mississippi and abroad. Welcome to Justify Your Existence, the podcast that talks SEC through the lens of Mississippi. I am Parrish Alford, the Ole Miss beat writer for the Northeast Mississippi Daily Journal, and I'm joined today by Dalton Middleton, our Mississippi State writer. Uh, Dalton, how you doing, man? Parrish, man, I'm all right. I'm a uh... I'm hoping for some good baseball this weekend. You know, uh, we're, we're finally into the postseason now, so hopefully this will be the uh, some of the best baseball we've seen all year. But uh, we're going to see how that turns out this weekend. Yeah, and, and hopefully uh, the rain will cooperate. It doesn't look like a, just a, a, a raining end-to-end uh, -end kind of uh, regional, but uh, maybe some drops along the way. Uh, Starkville and, and Oxford both hosting regionals. Folks, we want to thank our partners, the Oxford Park Commission, Youth from 5 to 15 can develop their basketball talent this summer at IHOOP and OPC camp. With former Ole Miss women's basketball standout Erica Sisk, those sessions are, are ongoing right now every Tuesday and Wednesday through June and July, ages 5 to 10, work from 5.45 to 6.30, ages 11 to 15 from 6.30 to 7.45, cost is $150 per month. Camps run through June and July. Bollywood dancing, a different sort of dancing, native to India. Kids ages 7 to 12 are meeting from 5 to 6, Tuesdays and Wednesdays through June 24th. And uh, classes available again from July 6 to 29. Uh, adult classes are meeting from 6.30 to 7.30, June 23 uh, through June 23rd. And then again, July 5 to 28. Cost is $60 for kids, $65 for adults. Uh, water polo skills camp coming up June 19 to 20 and July 22 to 23. That's for ages 12 to 18. You must be an experienced swimmer. Cost is $40. For information on these programs and many more, visit OxfordParkCommission.com. Uh, Dalton, uh, hopefully we're going to have uh, in a moment uh, Kale Baker, uh, Ole Miss first baseman, join us, and we'll talk a little bit with Kale about uh, – a story that, that kind of uh, came about involving him uh, during the SEC tournament. Uh, before we get there, man, talk to me about uh, this uh, Starkville Regional. I look at it, I see the RPIs, but I don't see a Power 5 team. Uh, how competitive, how challenging do you think this regional will be for Mississippi State? Yeah, I've seen, I've seen this argument on Twitter between uh... – Obviously, some Mississippi State and Ole Miss fans about how weak the, the regional is in, in Starville. And then I've seen some of the Mississippi State fans react with the responding with the RPIs and stuff. And, you know, I, I'm I'm not buying it, Parrish, I'll be honest with you. Um, you know, it, it may be that these, these are some of the better mid-majors in the country, but at the end of the day, they're still mid-majors. And uh, sometimes they're not just – they're just quite not good enough. Um and, you know, you, you've seen this – these these teams are good for their conferences. You know, um, the two-seed VCU um, is probably the, be the best team in there. They've, they've, they've won 21 games in a row. They won the uh, Atlantic 10 uh, regular season and, and a tournament championship. Um, and they're, they're pretty solid, you know. But then, then you look at uh, – you know, you have uh, Samford in there. Samford State's already played them one ten two. Samford won the Southern Conference, um, and it, it's just you know that they've they've played a lot of uh, Samford played ten SEC teams this year, 
They went one and nine against the SEC. Um, swept by A and M in a three game series. Swept by Florida in a three game series. Lost to State. Lost to um, Auburn. Lost to Alabama, I think. And then they they won one game against Auburn, the very last SEC game they played. So they, they're they're improving, I guess, and they have played a lot of teams, uh, SEC teams. And I imagine that's one of the reasons why their RPI is as high as, as it is. Um, and then you have Campbell in there who won the. Uh, what, what conference are they even in? The Big South. They won the Big South tournament. So all three teams are, um, you know, are are conference champions, but you know they are mid majors. So it's a, uh, you know, while it, it is an accomplishment to win those conference championships, uh, you know these teams are, aren't going to be quite as good as some of those Power Five teams that probably could have came in there. Um, so you know, I, I think it could be tough to an extent, but at the end of the day, you know, it is an SEC school taking on three mid-majors. So the the criticism is there for the, the fans that are uh, upset with how easy they got it because uh, it, it should be easier than most. Well, Kale Baker has just clicked in, Ole Miss first baseman. Kale, uh, what, what do you think, man? Uh, State getting it easy with that regional uh, coming to Starkville? No, I don't think any of them are easy. I mean, the teams that are left, I mean, honestly, the best 64 teams in the country right now. So – um, I mean, I think that, you know, honestly, it, they got a, they got a tough one too. I mean, those teams are all going to be ready to play. So I think it's, it's up in the air. I think anybody can win on any given day, like the old saying says. And I think that in any, any regional that's going on right now, you got to play your best baseball to win because everyone's playing for their season. I mean, everyone's got their backs against the wall right now because, uh, I mean, you never know when your final game is going to be. So uh, I think every regional is tough. I think everybody's got something to play for and everyone's trying to make it to Omaha. So uh, I don't think, like I said, I don't think anyone's got it easy, but uh, yeah. Well, I tell you what, it'll be easier to look back uh, after Monday and say it was easy or it wasn't easy. But I'll tell you from covering Ole Miss, I've seen two really outstanding mid-majors come through Oxford regionals. One of them, Tennessee Tech, won the regional in 2018. Great, great hitting team. And so was Western Kentucky uh, in 2009, many years ago. And it took Drew Pomeranz, uh, who eventually became the number five overall pick in the draft in 2010. It took Pomeranz pitching like the game of his life with, uh, uh, I don't know, 18 strikeouts uh, for Ole Miss to win that game in the if game, that, that final championship game of that regional. So I've seen very good mid-majors come through, and I think uh, you guys may be facing another one uh, in Southern Miss uh, in this tournament. But I wanted to talk to you, Kale, about a story that kind of came about involving you during the SEC tournament, and uh, you, you started wearing a, a bracelet that said Williams Strong, and uh, my understanding uh, is the bracelet uh, is to honor uh, a little girl who has this rare condition known as Williams syndrome. I, I'd never heard of it, but Professor Google says that it is a rare neurodevelopmental disorder uh, that features mild learning and development challenges uh, and, and a high level of personality, really kind of outgoing personality. Uh, the child is Harlan Brumfield, and her mother made these bracelets. But look, I'm going to let you pick it up from here. Just tell me how, how you got involved uh, with the family and, and began wearing the bracelets uh, during uh, the SEC tournament. 
So uh, it was the Wednesday game that we were playing Vanderbilt. Um, you know, rain coming down, uh, delayed for a little bit. You know, we run out to the field and um, run out to the field to stretch and stuff, warm up for the game. Uh, this little kid, I don't know, probably 12 years old, 13 years old, runs up to like – the fencing area and there's a little gap and he's like, Hey, can I have a ball? I'm like, yeah, of course. Give him a ball. He's like, Hey, do you mind wearing this bracelet? And I'm like, yeah, sure. I mean, I wear bracelets and stuff like that. So to me, it was no big deal. Uh, I thought I looked down, couldn't really tell what it said, but it was like this teal colored bracelet. And so, you know, I just put it on, uh, wore it that day, wore it the next day uh, against Georgia. And then, what day was it? Was it Friday morning? I mean, I get like four or five text messages that are this picture of like this Facebook post. And it's from the mother who was like um, talking about how her son had given me the bracelet and uh, basically that I had taken it without even asking what it was. And I put it on and I wore it. And then she like put out there, like, if there's any way to get in contact with him, like, we'd love to meet him. Um, and all that good stuff. So after the game against who did we play? Vanderbilt again. Um, I was walking through the line, you know, signing some autographs and stuff. And uh, a friend on the team, his dad pulled me aside and was like, Hey, the family of the daughters that you're wearing the bracelet for is here and they want to meet you. And I was like, Perfect. So, you know, I walked down there. And I meet them and like, it's the dad, the mom, the daughter, and then the older brother, the one who gave me the bracelet. And so I go up and there's, I start talking to him and, you know, this little girl, you can tell she's so nervous. Like she's, she's trying to hide her face like kids do. And, um, you know, I go up and I introduce myself and they're like, thank you so much for wearing that. And I'm like, of course. And like, and I told him, I was like, honestly, like when your son gave it to me, I was like, I didn't even know what it meant. I was like, I just put the bracelet on because I love wearing bracelets. And uh, and they were like, you know, it means so much more than you you would ever know. Like, um, so then got to meet the daughter and the cutest thing happened where like she came up to me to try to like start talking. And she was so nervous that she just like started crying and um ended up taking a couple pictures and talking to the family a little bit. And I mean, it was, it was a special moment. Like it was something that um, like, that's, that's why we play like for those little kids to like look up to us and for us to be that uh, um, what's the word I'm thinking of that kind of segue for yeah, other people yeah. to really see um, like what's going on and like, like most people know, like we're more than just athletes, like we're more than just baseball players. And it was awesome. And then the best part actually was she gave me this bag of bracelets. So like, there's a lot of guys on the team that are wearing them. And I sent a text out to the team. I was like, Hey, listen, like, I don't know if anyone saw the bracelet I was wearing, um, told him the whole story. And then I was like, if y'all would love, if you would like to wear one, like, you know, I can give you one. Like, if not, like, no worries. Like you don't have to. And I mean, I think, probably everybody within a couple minutes was up to me asking me for a bracelet and they're like, yes, we want one. We want one. So it, it was really cool. Like being a part of that and being able to 
you know, see the smile on her face and just be able to see how excited she was to be able to, you know, have someone who was, uh, you know, with her. So it, it was something, it was amazing. Now, did, did she eventually kind of kind of compose herself and just kind of visit with you a little bit uh, in that meeting? Did she calm down a little bit? Yeah, she was able to calm down and she, uh, we ended up taking a couple of pictures and we just sat there and kind of talked for a couple of minutes, but we had to get on the bus to go back to the hotel. So I wasn't able to visit for very long, but yeah. uh, it, it was a, it was a really special moment to me. It was, uh, it was something that really kind of, you know, made me think about, you know, there's, there's more than just like uh, playing baseball. Like we're so great. We're so, we're so grateful and so lucky with um, the opportunities that we've been given that uh, out there, like there, there's other stuff going on in the world other than just us playing baseball. So it was, like I said, to me, it was really special. Now, have you since uh, Googled William syndrome and read about it a little bit? Yeah, I've been able to actually like when I saw that post on Facebook, when I was getting it sent to me, I finally like realized it was for Williams syndrome. And I looked it up and everything and kind of got to know like a little bit kind of basically like what you said, like, no, just like what Professor Google said. And uh, just like those little bits and pieces of it. But yeah, I was able to look it up and then was able to, you know, know what I was know what the bracelet was for and why I was wearing it. Now, what will you guys wear the bracelets uh, in the regional? Uh, yeah, I mean, everyone's still wearing them. I got two of them on. Um, I don't think anyone's taken it off since we I gave them to them in Hoover. Now, I don't I, – I got the sense I, – I don't think this was necessarily an old Miss family, right, just baseball fans at the game. Is, is, is that the sense that you get? Yeah, what I heard was they were – they were from Mississippi, then they moved to Alabama, and then they saw it on TV, and then they said, like, you know, now you got a now you got a rebel family. Like you got rebel fans now because so we got some more. So yeah. So not entirely. They weren't I think they were just baseball fans and they were, you know, no. watching the SEC tournament and they happened to see me wearing it. And then now we got four more Ole Miss baseball fans. Now now, Kale, in this day and age, we see so little uh, interaction between players and, and fans. Uh, I guess a little more at the college level, but I mean, you, you see the things going on in the NBA right now in the playoffs and 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 all that they're dealing with. Um, does Mike Bianco encourage this sort of uh, interaction? I and mean, what what does he say to you guys about uh, uh, about uh, relationships with fans and that sort of thing? Um, at the start of the year, you know, with COVID. Um, he really didn't want us like going up to fans and everything just because of the fact of, you know, we've been through so much as a team. We've sacrificed so much with losing our season last year um, that he didn't want to take any chances. And it was nothing against any of our fans or anything like that. It was just, we wanted to make sure that, you know, we were doing everything we could to play a season for them, for us to play number one, but for them to be able to be a part of. And it was we wanted to make sure we took every precaution, uh, always wearing our masks, um, abiding by all the COVID rules, um, you know, checking in with uh, Josh Porter, our trainer, if anything was going on, if we had any questions. And so he really didn't at the beginning of the year, he didn't want us doing it at all. That's why the fans after games don't come down on the field anymore like they were able to do in the past. Um, 
And it mainly just kind of started with uh, like family out front, like, you know, wear your mask, you can talk to your family, stay six feet apart, but, you know, make it quick. Like, don't, don't hang around because you don't know who they've been around or whatever. And obviously like, you know, it's your family and stuff like that. But like I said, we were trying to take every precaution we could, but kind of throughout the year and how we've, you know, a lot of guys on our team have been vaccinated. Um, the new COVID rules are coming out with the SEC and then in the country. And now it's kind of like, you know, it's, it got to a point where it was, it was hard to control. Like we couldn't, like we had coach Boone, uh, our ops guy, Sam Slavic and all those guys kind of trying to push those guys back, all the fans back and, you know, kind of go through there and kind of maneuver ourselves through without kind of like staying and talking, like, but like saying like, Hey, how are you? And like, thank you. And all showing our appreciation for them coming to the games and being our fans. And, uh, but kind of, like I said, like now that all the, the COVID stuff is uh, starting to, you know, have different rules and different outcomes. Um, he doesn't mind it now. Um, so, and obviously like, you know, all the kids love it and all the, the fans love it and all of us. I mean, we love it too. Like we love when all those, all the kids and the parents and the adults come up to us and, you know, talk to us and we sign autographs and stuff. So, yeah. Well, I'll tell you, uh, and that's just one of the things that has always stood out to me about Ole Miss baseball is kind of, uh, the love affair between the players and the fans before COVID, you know, as you, as you mentioned, when you would see so many fans uh, come down to the uh, field after games and kids running the bases on Sundays, uh, things like that. A couple of quick baseball questions, Kale, before we let you go. Uh, it's been a few days since the bracket reveal. Uh, what have you guys learned about Southeast Missouri state? Uh, they're a good team. I mean, they're a team that, you know, um, Kind of like I said earlier, it's uh, they're a team that you know you got to play your best baseball to beat. Um, like I said, uh, these are the best sixty-four teams in the country right now. So you got to show up every day to practice, to games, to weights, um, and give it, uh, play your best. Uh, like I said, because now now you're playing for. Uh, there's nothing guaranteed. There's no hey, we're playing uh, Auburn next weekend, or we're playing Georgia next weekend. Now it's hey, we we could go home next weekend. Like we could be packing up our stuff and going home. So uh, they're a good team. I mean, they got, they got a good arm thrown against us on Friday. Um, you know, it's just, they got, they hit well. And so we just got to play our best baseball and go out there and do what we know we can do and what we're supposed to do. You guys have been such a good hitting team this season in Hoover. It was more about some timely hitting not as dominant as we've seen Ole Miss be much of the regular season. How do you feel about uh, the offense right now heading into regional play? Uh, I feel really good about it. You know, uh, even like in Hoover, like, you know, we just, we had those timely hits when we needed them. And, you know, sometimes we didn't, and, but that's baseball. I mean, you're going to go up and down with your offense and your, your pitching and your defense. And it's like any sport, but uh, you know, I'm, I'm confident. I mean, we, we know how to swing the bat. We've proven we can swing the bat in big situations against uh, big-time opponents and everybody else in the country. So, to me, it's like we're, we're going to go do our thing. Like, we're going to go out there. We're going to play our baseball. We're going to play exactly how we know how to play, and we're going to get the job done when it's needed to get done. Kale, thanks so much for being with us now. Uh, Dalton and I are going to 
move back to the Starkville Regional, you're welcome to hang around and break down the Bulldogs and and, uh, and all the teams in that regional if you'd like to do that. But uh, right. we're, we're going to – Thank you so much for quickly. having me. Hey, it was great. I do appreciate you coming on, man. Have a good day. You too. Bye. Dalton, uh, let's get back on this Starkville Regional a little bit. We were talking about right. the RPIs and, and the teams in there, and, and there have been some good mid-majors come through uh, Oxford uh, that, that I've seen. Um, I also hear the uh, the argument, and you got to get this, uh, every time there is someone on the baseball committee, you know, affiliated with the team, you know, I, I, there is the uh, criticism that John Cohen has exerted his influence and has created uh, this regional field in Starkville. Uh, what, what, what do you say there? Yeah, you know, I've, I've seen that on Twitter a lot, of course. You know, obviously that's going to be one of the things that people are talking about when it, when it seems like the regional is, uh, despite what, you know, Kale Baker says, that, you know, it may look a little easier than, you know, what Ole Miss has right now. Um, and, you know, I don't know if John Cohen had anything to do with how easy, I guess, or how, how there's no power of five teams in this regional, but – you know, I have no idea of having somebody on the committee helps, but I would imagine it certainly doesn't hurt, you know, if, if, you, if you know what I mean. You know, uh, I don't I don't know if they take that into account whenever they're picking the teams here, but, you know, I, I would imagine that it doesn't hurt them at all whenever he's sitting there helping uh, or, you know, making decisions there as well, you know. But uh, I don't know about that one. Well, here's, here's, here's what I think, okay? I don't think John Cohen walked in a room with all those committee men. Well, number one, it's probably Zoom. <laughs> I don't think he right. kicked into Zoom uh, with all those committee members and said, "Hey guys, I, I need you to do me a solid here. I, I, I really need uh, I, I need all the lightweights to come to Starkville." I, I don't think uh, I, I don't think that's how it went down. But when you work on a committee, you get to know people on the committee. Uh, there are friendships that come from that. Uh, and these guys, some of them have worked together before. I, I don't think that they intentionally said, we're going to give Mississippi State a, a light regional because we're going to take care of our man, John. But there's a subconsciousness there, you know, just in relationships right. uh, among people. They certainly weren't going to go the other way, nor should they, and, and, and say, you know, we're going to take uh, this traveling one seed, Old Dominion, and we're going to put them in start, you know. Yeah, they, they shouldn't have gone that way either. Uh, you know, so, so subconsciously were there, you know, some, uh, some thoughts that, that, that led to what appears to be a regional uh, that is not as intense as some others? You know, who knows? It doesn't hurt. Right. It certainly doesn't hurt a school to have a guy on yeah. that committee. Yeah, without a doubt. And, you know, <laughs> It, it it's kind of kind of wild though, you know, because I, I get the argument one hundred percent that I or I get what everybody's saying one hundred percent on Twitter because, uh, you know, it, it is very strange that uh, Mississippi State entered Hoover as you know as probably the number eight seed in the in the in the national tournament. You know, everybody was saying, oh, you know, they're barely holding on. You know, they get ten run rule twice, um, and then all of a sudden, now they're the seven seed and have arguably the easiest regional you know it, it is very it is very weird how that happened uh you know i, I know that the, the the committee took notre dame out um took texas tech out that's why state moved into that number seven spots because two teams that were in the top eight got moved out but uh 
you know, it, it, I don't think it was more of what State did, obviously. You know, they got 10 run rule twice. You know, they didn't do anything to help their cause in Hoover. But uh, it was very odd to me that um, that they did play as poorly as they did and look as bad as they did. They moved up in the rankings. Um, when a team like Ole Miss, um, you know, I'm not trying to make the arguments Mississippi State versus Ole Miss, but when you think of Ole Miss, who played extremely, extremely well in Hoover and, and showcased a lot of, of – you know, pitching depth that everyone thought was missing and, you know, had some timely hits like you and Kale were talking about. And uh, I think they uh, were, you know, saying – people were saying that they can move up into a national seed and everyone was thinking, you know, 9-10 was going to be a good spot for them. And, what, they're 12, I think. You know, they didn't move up at all. And and, and so I, I see where people are, are talking about on Twitter. And, you know, I think, I think it does raise questions and raise concern for uh, people to be saying stuff like that because it is a little weird and uh, – you know, it, it, I, I don't really know if there's an explanation. Uh, you know, the, the committee, of course, will probably never release an explanation, but uh, it, it is a little odd that a uh, state can play as poorly as they did, move up, and Ole Miss can play as great as they did during the week and, uh, and sit stand. still and, yeah. and get Just kind of stand pat. You know, I'm like you. I thought they would move up a little yeah. bit. I thought I never thought they were going to play their way into national seed unless they, like, won the tournament. And uh, – right but I was surprised that they didn't affect their seating more uh, that they, you know, they were kind of always projected at 12, projected at 12, 12. And, and there they are at 12, you know, they, they didn't move up to uh, 11, 10, nine, which, which I thought was uh, reasonable for the tournament that they had. The other thing, and, and it may just have been, it may have been less about where Ole Miss was. It could have worked out this way and where Arizona was and maybe the respect from the committee comes in not pairing the Ole Miss Regional, not pairing Oxford with another SEC team. You know, maybe they just – maybe that was the break there. We just want to you know, give you a break, get you out of conference, see what you can do. Uh, maybe that was the thinking. So, uh, why did State, uh, in your estimation, play so poorly in Hoover? I think they, you know, played with the pitching a little bit, didn't throw the ace on the first day. Um you know that that happens, uh, but beyond pitching, there, there there came a point in those games that I saw that they just looked uh, distracted defensively. Uh, you know, some plays yeah. they could have made didn't make, some things like that. What, why do you think uh, they were appeared to be not into it in Hoover? Yeah, you know, the, the, I think the the first day against Florida. Um... You know they they didn't start. They started Brandon Smith, who had one start on the year. They were trying to find that 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 new starter that they could throw. You know, on a Friday night in a regional, um, in the game one of the regional, and it didn't work out. You know, he got hit really hard by Florida, and then I think it got to a point, in and I it's separately in each game. I think it got to a point. You know, in the first, second, third inning, where the deficit was so much that state just. You know, it was just like, hey, let's just let's just finish through this. Let's just get through it, and then you know, re- let's regroup against whoever they were playing the losers bracket. So they do that against Tennessee, and then all of a sudden, you know, McLeod comes. At the Mississippi State does the race. McLeod comes out, throws a great first inning. Second inning, he allows a three-run home run after a walk and hit by batter. You know, they score another run in the third or the fourth, whatever it was. I think they scored two more, and all of a sudden they're down six nothing, and um. I think they have one hit at that point. And then, you know, Tanner Allen even told us after that game, you know, they, they got to a point when they were down in the fourth, fifth inning where um, they were just like, let's just let's just go home. You know, let's just get it over with. Let's, let's just play well the rest of the game. 
you know, let's just go home and regroup. And, you know, I don't know if there's a reason for them playing as bad as they did because they played really, really bad Parish. Um, but, you know, I think at, at one point of the game, you know, they were thinking, you know, we don't – I guess there was there was a very minimal chance that they were going to come back and win that, and they're already in the loser's bracket. So, you know, just might as well just go ahead and play this game out, you know, um, and and try to regroup for the regional. But, you know, it, it also – State also threw McLeod, Bedner, and Landon Sims in that elimination game against uh, against Tennessee. So it wasn't like they just gave up completely and was throwing nobodies out there. They threw their three best pitchers out there, um, and and they were still getting hit for a lot. I think the you know the the pitching staff gave up you know twenty five runs, thirty three hits, and in fifteen innings, and it was just you know that's just that's just straight up awful, you know. Um, and you know, as much as you, uh, as much as a team can give up, I don't think individual pitchers are going out there just throwing up uh, batting practice balls, you know, to ruin their stats or go out there and like, oh, you know, let's try to get through this game. Here's a slow pitch softball pitch, you know. Um, so, so I don't know, Parrish, but uh, you know, Lamonis told us the other day that you know they got back and he said, you know, just everyone take a few days off, go do whatever, you know, go fishing, go sit in the room, just don't come back for a few days. And he says they're. They've looked more regrouped in practice, look uh, look refreshed, and uh, I guess they're going to see if that helps them in the long run. I know in 2019, State was also run-rolled in Hoover. Um, went 0-2, was run-rolled in that second game, and then they ended up reaching Omaha. So, you know, I guess uh, if they reach Omaha this year, you know, one, it, it could be John Cohen's doing over there on the committee. But uh, also, you know, maybe the secret to reaching Omaha is getting run-rolled in the, in the SEC tournament. I don't know. Maybe so. Now, who do they match up with for the Supers? Yeah, so this was one of the things, too, that people were a little upset about was because uh, they, they match up with Notre Dame Super yeah. Regional. I know a lot of people are not impressed with Notre Dame this year. Um, I don't know too much about them. I know they played, like, only four non-conference games, I think. You know, mostly uh, mostly conference games in the ACC, which was down this year. Um, and so I've seen a lot of people are, are were upset about how not only did State get what some would say was an easy regional and then they got kind of one of the easier super regional matchups, but, uh, you know, they'll, they will host Notre Dame or whoever comes out in Notre Dame regional. I think Michigan's in there and then central Michigan and someone else is in that, uh, in that regional over there. So, uh, you know, I don't know if state will end up hosting if, if state makes it out of the regional, you know, you never know, like you said, these mid majors can be tough sometimes. Um, either hosting Notre Dame or Michigan or somebody out of there. Well, it's uh, it's interesting, and, and postseason is always fun. And the you know the selection show, the committee's decisions, every sport, every year, uh, always uh, create this kind of conversation. So it, it it is interesting, folks. That'll wrap us up for this edition of Justify Your Existence, the podcast that talks SEC through the lens of Mississippi. You can check out our work at djournal.com. Find that drop-down menu on the left. Scroll down to the Ole Miss and Mississippi State pages and watch the stories flow. We're on Facebook as well, Ole Miss Discussion with Parrish Alford, Mississippi State Discussion with Dalton Middleton. Lots of good things in those groups. Thanks for being with us, folks. Come back and join us tomorrow.